Oh, hey there, Journey family. How you guys doing this weekend? Good. Well, we are thrilled to have you here joining us. My name's Abby. I'm our Next Steps pastor here. And as you've probably already put together, this week's a little bit different. We kicked off a brand new series last weekend called Mind Games, which is all about finding strength for the struggle from within. And I know for so many of us over the last 18 months have experienced so much mental stress um, at degrees and levels that we may never have before. And so this weekend, we're talking about all of that. This is called our Hot Seat Weekend. And so for the past few weeks, you've submitted your questions all about mental health and anxiety, depression, our thought life, and, and how we deal with those things, how we battle those things. And we've got our lead pastor, Mark, on deck tonight. He's going to be answering those questions live. And I've seen the questions. Our prayer team has seen the questions, been praying over the questions, but he hasn't seen the questions. Um, so it really is all live and real time tonight. And we're going to be answering different questions in every gathering. So if you don't hear the answer to your question in this gathering, I encourage you, come back. We'll also be recording all of these, posting them on our YouTube page so you can check out messages from this entire weekend. So you guys ready? Yeah? All right. It seems like you, you uh, hopefully, you're getting there, you're getting there. So hopefully Pastor Mark is ready. So can you help me welcome Pastor Mark, everybody? Well, hello. Hello. They're maybe ready. This is like a talk show dream come true. This is definitely my dream. I don't know if it's your <laughs> dream. I've seen uh, the questions, so there's that. Oh, man. How you feeling? I feel great. I did have a brief moment backstage where I was like, it's not too late. Like, the car's right out back. Were you, you know. going to make me answer the question? <laughs> well, you know, I didn't really think about what would happen next. Okay, I right. just thought about the moment, you know. All right. So, yeah, but feeling, I'm here. Feeling good. You're here. Can't do that now. You can't do that now. There's no escaping. No we're not, escape. not going to let him escape, are we? No, you're, you're on the hot seat now. Does it feel hot? Uh, it will. I have a feeling okay. over the next few minutes All it's right. going to get there. Well, hey, before we jump into this, is there anything that, that you'd like to share? Uh, well, I'm really glad to be doing this, and um, I am nervous, you know, it's, it is, uh, it's a big deal to be up here and not have all the usual preparation that I do. I'm not a mental health professional, I wanted to, to lead with that, uh, but I have a heart for this, and I have my own story, and our family has uh, our own stories of dealing with mental health issues, and, and, I'm, and I care about you guys, and so I want to do my best to, um, to give this a, a go, and if it doesn't work out, you know, I have some other... Uh, career options. So, I mean, it's just, just kidding. Hopefully, just kidding. Yeah. Here we go. Vote of confidence. Vote of confidence. Hopefully, we want you right here. So, we'll just start with the first question. All, all right. right. Let's ready? do it. Let's you guys do ready? It. Ready. Okay. Uh, and you've got five minutes. So, just so you okay. guys know, we got five minutes. So, we've got a timer. All right. All right. So, here's the first question. When you have a job that is physically, mentally, and emotionally draining, how do you find the strength and capacity to tackle all of life's problems that are going on around you at the same time? Wow, so we're just gonna start with an easy one. So, right um, yeah, I don't know how many of us find ourselves in that season where the work that we're doing doesn't feel meaningful or it feels like it's taking more out of us by a lot than it's putting into us, but I think this is one of the things that tends to lead us into mental health struggles. And, and actually, I don't think hard work usually brings us to a place of 
of dealing with mental health issues. I think it's a lack of meaning in our work. When we, when we're, not, we're not able to connect the dots anymore between what we're doing with the bulk of our time and some kind of impact or difference that we're making in the world, I think that's when we start to struggle. And then, of course, when you throw in factors like maybe we've got a boss who isn't understanding, or maybe we are the boss and we're not understanding, you know, or uh, we've got coworkers that, that aren't um, are adding value to our lives. So, you know, I think, I think what often happens in those situations is we just keep going and we become increasingly sort of stuck mentally, but we just keep going through the motions and we don't pause and ask some important questions like, do I want to do this with the rest of my life? And is this the right career or am I in the right place or is this the right season? And I think it's important to do that even if we end up answering, yes, it is, at least we've got some clarity. I think limbo is what leads to some of the, the biggest mental strain. And some of us live in limbo a lot. We're like, I'm going to go do this thing, but I resent with all my heart that I have to do it. And you can do that for an hour or a day or a week maybe, but a month or a year starts to really wear on you. So I would say to somebody who's in that situation where work feels like it's sucking the life out of you, I think you've got to be able to find a way to pause, step back, and go, am I going to say yes to this or no to this? I'm going to stop saying maybe. Because it's in our yes or no that we really live mentally healthy lives. And Jesus said this. He said, let your yes be yes and your no, no. And I think the strain is when we're like, maybe, 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 maybe. And it wears us down. So I would just encourage anybody who's in that situation to figure out how to step back like this Saturday or Sunday coming up, maybe next weekend, if you can't do it this weekend, if you work Monday through Friday, I'm gonna take 12 hours, 24 hours. I'm not gonna binge Netflix. I'm not gonna medicate. I'm not gonna make all the work pain go away. I'm gonna get with God. I'm gonna get like a notepad. I'm gonna listen to God. And I'm gonna, by the end of that 12 or 24 hours or whatever it is, I'm gonna either say yes or no to this job. Yes. Say yes or no. And then I'm gonna show up Monday morning if I said yes, you know, and, and then, I, then I've reclaimed a level of control, healthy control over my life and my destiny. And so my yes has become yes. And if it's a no, my no has become no. And I got to live with the consequences of that no. But um, that's not an easy answer. I'm not naive. There's no simplistic solution um, when work is sucking the life out of us. But it, the Work sucks the life out of us, or maybe sucks more life out of us over time. So yes or no to this job. Yes or no, and then I'm going to live that out. So, yeah. That's good. Thanks. We're definitely keeping you around after the first question. <laughs> hey, thanks yeah. for coming. Have a great night. Just kidding. All right, good, good, good. I love that. That was so powerful. Cool. So, all right, this one is a little bit harder. Okay. Um, so here's a question. It says, I have struggled with panic attacks and I've prayed for a cure, I've been to therapy, I've tried support groups, but I just cannot seem to overcome them. What does the Bible teach about panic attacks? Do you think that God has wired me this way for a reason? What do I do? Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, my, my heart is moved with, with compassion for anybody who's struggling with that. I have only had one or two of those in my life. Um, I have some people who are very close to me who've had more of those panic attacks and one very profound one uh, in our family that, you know, none of us knew what was happening and, and uh, we were racing to the hospital late at night, you know, thinking this person was dying and it was awful. I mean, it was just, it was, it was terrible. And for someone who's going through that, I think 
Um, and that's, it's traumatic and it's painful. And I would imagine that there are at times these struggles with shame that come with that because we think, man, if I was stronger, if I was mentally more present, if I was able to um, function well, I wouldn't be struggling with this. And the reality is, you know, I don't, the Bible does not have a verse on panic attacks. Um, and there are a lot of things that the Bible doesn't say, okay, here's the prescription for everything to be fine by tomorrow at 8 a.m. Uh, but I do think that scripture tells us that there is a replacement for our anxiety. I, I personally believe, and some of what I'm gonna share tonight I think is God's word. Other stuff is, is what I believe, and we'll find out someday if it's right or not, right? I wanna have the humility to acknowledge that. But I personally believe that we cannot control whether or not anxiety arrives. We do have a say in how long it stays and what we do in response to it. But we do not, we don't get to choose whether, it, I preached on this a couple of years ago, we don't choose who rings the doorbell, we choose who we invite in for dinner and to spend the night and to live with us and to hang out with us. And although I don't deal with panic attacks specifically, I have dealt with anxiety in my life and I went through a lot of shame, um, a lot of like, I shouldn't be dealing with this, I need to just get it together, I need to make sure I don't let anybody know I'm dealing with this. And it was when I finally began to go, hey, anxiety, I'm gonna stop being scared of you, I'm gonna stop treating you like you, you know, shouldn't be here, and let's have a conversation, as weird as that may sound. I've had conversations with my anxiety, like with myself in my anxious state. Okay, I'm anxious, all right, I'm anxious. That is what it is. What will I do next? And am I, do I need medication? Do I need rest? Do I need relationships? Do I need, is it all the above? But I think that's so key. And then I don't know if God, I don't believe God wired you to have panic attacks, but I do believe that as long as you are in this season where you're having them, you'll never get another opportunity while you're having panic attacks to trust God. So they're not gonna last forever. It's not going to be, you say, well, what if they do last forever? They're not going to last forever. You say, but they might last forever. No, you think forever is the day you die. But if you know Jesus, you have a whole life after that. And I promise you there will be no panic attacks in, in eternity. So I think as long as you're dealing with them, as long as we're facing, and this would apply to a lot of mental health struggles, there is something in like flip the script a little bit. I'm weak to, I must be strong. If I've been entrusted with this battle, I must be extraordinarily strong, able to do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And so if, I don't know when the next panic attack is coming, but I'm gonna humble myself, surrender myself to God. If it comes, we're gonna walk through it. He's never gonna leave me or forsake me. And I think we have things we can start to replace anxiety with over time. It's not a quick fix, it's not an immediate cure, but when we begin to, to pray like the scripture teaches us to pray, not in a religious way, but in an authentic way, when we have relationships in our lives, when we can have someone, uh, my wife uh, Susie has struggled with anxiety at times and I asked her, what's been helpful for you as I was thinking about this weekend? And she said that there was a moment when I asked her a bunch of what then questions. So I was like, I'm so anxious. And I was like, okay, well, why are you anxious? Because I'm worried that this is gonna happen. I was like, okay, or I'm worried that this is happening to me. I was like, all right, well, maybe it is. And that was a big risk, because it was like, you know, I don't wanna be talking about my former wife. You know, I wanna like, that was a big risk. But I was like, okay, let's, okay, so, you know, the thing's gonna be a disaster. Your life, you know, everything's falling apart. What then? well, then I might not be able to do this, and I'm, this is what my life might look like. Okay, what then, what then, what then? And we got to like the most extreme scenario eventually, 
And I just kept asking what then, and it, it was eventually like, okay, if that's what it is, we know what it is, and we're just gonna live in, that could happen. Now, on to the life that we were living. Like, that could, it, we, we have no ultimate control over that, but on to the life we have right now in front of us. It's not a quick fix, it's not an easy cure, but I do think there are ways when anxiety comes to replace it and to go, no, thank you, I, thanks for dropping by anxiety. I get it, you're here, I couldn't control that, but you cannot come in, you cannot sleep on my pull-out sofa, this is not happening, this is my life, and I am one with Jesus, and I'm gonna face it, and I'm gonna go through this. And if anxiety barges its way into our house, then we're like, okay, then next, what's next? So I just think not getting caught up in, this is never gonna happen to me again if I'm, that's the, the trap. I'll never be anxious again if I just figure this out. Yeah, you, yeah, you will, but, but, some, but it's not gonna last forever, and so do it with Jesus, and I think, yeah. I love that. So, yeah. There is nothing like flipping the script with God's word. True. You know, I loved that, that reminder to keep going back to the word of God. I kind of, so this next question, this is somebody who says, besides prayer, so that's a given, besides prayer, how can we rely on God during dark seasons? How do we really comfort ourselves through him? Through dark seasons? Yeah. Yeah, besides prayer, it's like, just take that out of the equation. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that it wasn't like, besides prayer, healthy relationships, <laughs> worship, God's word, and oxygen, how do we, you know, so uh, we can work with this one. Um, although, let me just, let me throw this in real quick. I think sometimes because we think prayer is like a pill, um, we, are, we are hesitant to do it because we're like, well, I prayed and it didn't work. So I just would throw that. I know I'm not allowed to use that as part of the answer, but I would just throw that out there um, plus prayer. So I think one of the ways that I comfort myself in dark seasons is to start noticing the minutia of what's happening around me. Because I think what happens in dark seasons is we lose our picture of what brings joy and value to our lives. And so I personally believe that God created everything and I don't claim to understand exactly how he created everything, but I believe that in the beginning there was nothing and God spoke into that void and he created and he set in motion the universe. And so as, as, as simple as it may sound, when I'm in a dark season, like I'm gonna take a nap and think about, that was a great nap. Thank you for creating naps, God. That was some good bread pudding. God, you didn't have to do it, but you did. Like, it's amazing. Look at the sky. Oh, that's interesting. Look at those clouds, the way they're, and that's a discipline. I'm not wired that way, okay? But in those dark seasons, I go back to the things God created that don't need my investment to continue to function. I was, uh, a couple of years ago, I was on a, um, a mountain. It's not the largest mountain I've ever climbed, but it was a mountain, had, had to figure to out a way to bring that in, yeah. Uh, I climbed a mountain once, just so you know. Um, but I was on a smaller mountain with a pastor, an older pastor, and uh, it, was during, it was actually during a sabbatical that I took my first one a few years ago. And uh, it's the only sabbatical I've had up until this point in my life. Had worked since I was nine years old, took uh, six weeks off from work and detoxed on performance orientation, which is something we'll talk about maybe in another question, but I was just so performance oriented, like I've got to work to make everything work. 
And we're up on the side of this mountain, this pastor, and he's like, hey, I want you to notice these flowers. I want you to notice the way they're growing here. The only reason they're growing here is because there was a really bad fire a few years ago. If it hadn't been for the fire, there would never be the flowers. And the fire happened, and you weren't here, and you couldn't do anything about it. And these flowers are growing, and you're not, you can't do anything about it. It's all existing, Mark, outside of your control. Isn't God wonderful? He doesn't need you to keep the universe running. And that comforts me in dark seasons. It's like, God... You are gonna, you are in control. You do not need me. You will take anxious me, and you're still like, I can run the universe even if you're anxious. You can take calm me. You can still run the universe even in that. So I think there's something about centering ourselves back on the things that don't require us. And I would just say, and I say this very, I wanna say this kindly and humbly. If you are an evolutionary atheist, if you believe that everything came from nothing and there is no God, I'm not sure what you're supposed to do. I don't know what you do in that moment to comfort yourself in those dark seasons because I think this is part of what the value of our faith is knowing there is a God at work behind this and he is working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose and it's powerful. And I don't say that dismissively. If you're here and you are an atheist, you don't believe in God, I'm very glad you're here and I'm not here to twist your arm, but I would encourage you to open yourself up to the possibility that the reason sometimes you're anxious is because you think you're God and you are not a big enough God to be God. So look to the really big, awesome God who created all of this and he will give you strength. That's what I believe, yeah. Ooh, yeah. I just got preached to. They did too, they did too. Awesome. We're uh, doing okay, aren't we? Are we doing okay? I, I mean, I feel like we're doing great. Good. I was going to see, like, if we should do an intermission, but I don't think we okay. will. We'll just keep, I just have to ask we'll keep rolling. So yeah. Thankfully, you showed up, so I didn't have to. But That's awesome. This next one is the most popular question. We got the most types of questions about medication okay. for mental health. Yeah. So this question says, uh, can you speak to the benefits of medication to maintain mental health? How do you balance that tension between using medicine to help an issue but not really letting it become a crutch? Wow, so this is a big question, and let me preface this again by saying I am not, I'm not a doctor, um, and you should talk to a doctor if you have this question. I think it, um, it is important to understand that we are not one-dimensional creatures, and too often, and again, I think people who reject faith and God are one-dimensionalizing human existence. There's a mystery and a wonder and a spirituality to human existence that we are kind of trying to push out as if it's opposed to science and medicine, and it's really not. But on the flip side, I think sometimes believers feel like a way of showing how much faith they have is to reject any sort of natural intervention into what they're struggling with, and I think that can be a great mistake as well. So I think there's no stigma around medication. There shouldn't be, at least. I think that there are times when, let me hit you real quick with like causes of depression. This is from some of the research into where depression comes from. And there's a lot of research on this. So look at that one specifically. So depression comes from chemical imbalances. Depression can come from genes. It can be genetically be passed down. It can come from childhood trauma. It can come from loss of status. When we get caught in the comparison trap, feel like we're not succeeding. Uh, it can come from all of those things. And then depression can also come from uh, a disconnection from our own values. We're not, we're not living in accordance with our own values. 
It can come from a disconnection from relationships. It can come from a disconnection from meaningful work and effort and purpose. And we're gonna talk about all those things in a couple weeks during the series. And I think there's a lot of freedom in how we begin to bring those things back into our lives. So here's what I would say about medication. It's one of the eight or nine causes of depression, chemical imbalances. So if medication, I think medication is best used when it kind of gets us back to a place of equilibrium. But if we take the medication and don't address those other things, I think then we are one-dimensionalizing our human existence. So it can happen on either side. You can become one-dimensional because you're like, I'm not gonna take any medication because I believe in God. And God's like, I don't understand that. I created people and they created pills. What's your problem? (laughs) So I think, like, I really think there's a, you know, we just, that's the way I look at it. We can one-dimensionalize ourselves in that respect. But I think on the flip side, we can go, okay, now I'm just gonna take the pill. And no pill is gonna make you whole. It's not. It's a, it may be a great way to get back, like get your head above the surface to help you deal with some of the chemical imbalance part, but it is not the complete answer because you are not that simplistic a creature. You're wonderfully designed by God. You are intricately formed. You are heart, soul, mind, body. You are all of the above. And to really get healthy and whole, we've got to address all of the above. And there's a lot of research now that shows that if we just take pills, and that's our only solution, they start to work less and less. So what do we do? We up the dose. They work less and less. We up the dose. They work less and less. And they're a wonderful gift to us, but they are not the entire solution. So I would say get rid of the stigma. Like, I can't take a pill if I'm a Christian. You'd probably take a Tylenol. (laughs) So don't get caught in that. Like, oh, I can't, you know. Get rid of that stigma, but then don't stop there. In fact, don't stop anywhere short of the fullness of what God has for you. And lean into all of the health that God would bring to your life. Maybe the medication is a part of it, but there's so much more that he has for you. So that's my my thought about, about medication and mental health. Yeah. All right, so this one, a little bit of a different direction. This is, somebody asked this question, how do you maintain a clear perspective when you're dealing with grief and loss? Oh, my short answer to that question is you don't. So if that's your standard, okay, I'm dealing with grief and loss, I must have a 100% clear perspective. I think you're gonna struggle. And I think that's part of what happens. I don't know how many of you are wired like I am, but I am my worst critic. And I have such high standards for myself. And so when I'm dealing, when I'm going through a season of grief or loss, so this happened to me. My dad died when I was 24. I was very unexpected. He went into, he was older. Um, he, was, he was 49 when I was born. So there was a big age difference there, but he, was, he weighed 165 pounds. He walked three miles a day, ate really healthy, and he drank apple cider vinegar, which was supposed to fix everything, right? <laughs> and um, he swore by that stuff, I mean, every day. And and he went into what was supposed to be a routine surgery, and they lost him on the table and had no explanation. So just like that, he was gone. And I had been there. He had been in the hospital for a while, and I had been there. This is up in Canada. I was living here in Delaware. I'd been there to visit him for about a week, but the, the surgery was supposed to be routine, and they were like, it's going to be fine. And so I'd come home, so I wasn't there. Um, and I went you know, drove overnight when we found out. Um, I didn't know he was gone yet. We found out things aren't going well. Got in the car, uh, drove all night to get back there. By the time we got halfway there, found out that he had passed. And when I got home, 
uh, went to the, you know, through the process, went to the funeral, all of that, grieving. I thought I was grieving. And uh, the church that I had been a part of before I moved to the U.S. asked me to speak that weekend, and I said yes, you know. And I spoke that weekend, came back home, and went back to work. I was working in the marketplace at the time, working at DuPont. And, and I went, I went uh, back to work and was kind of like, okay, my, my dad died. And so moving on. And about a month and a half later, I was driving one day, and somebody was not driving fast enough in front of me, and I lost it. I was like pounding on the steering wheel, the dash, ah, ah, yelling at them like it was crazy. And after a couple of minutes, I'm like, what is happening right now? What's going on? And the reality is I didn't grieve. I pushed, and that was my standard. My dad just died, and I must have a clear perspective. The reality was, no, my dad died. I'm not going to have a clear perspective. I'm going to grieve. I need to go through a process of dealing with, I've lost my father, and this is a lot. And so I would say, don't make the standard a clear perspective now. Make the standard, I'm going through the process to get to a clear perspective eventually. And it's not going to take forever, but I'm going to go through the process. And many of you are familiar with the stages of grief. I think there's a lot of validity to that. We, you don't get to skip them. And I think some people go, oh, I'm a Christian. I'm just going to skip all the stages of grief. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if you're a Christian, I guess you don't need to eat or breathe or, you know, like I think it's, I think we just got to realize this is a broken world and we're living in it. And we've got to be willing to go grief and loss are going to come. And when they do, there's a guy named Jeremiah in the Old Testament who wrote these words. Why was I ever born? Don't let anyone celebrate my birthday. He wasn't like getting old, like, no, I don't want to celebrate this one. He was like, I don't want anyone to ever celebrate my birthday again. I don't understand why I was born. He was so low. Well, this is a guy who loved God, was a man who, who sought after God, but he was going through grief and loss. And so I would say if you know someone who's walking through grief or loss, don't, don't make the standard that they're going to snap out of it. Make the standard that they're going to suffer through it and be better on the other side of it but go through the process. That's so, really yeah. Uh, all right. They want more. <laughs> they want more. All right, I think we have time for about two more. All right? Two more questions. Two more. All so, right. Good. Uh, this was another question that was asked a lot, a couple of different ways, um, about adult children. So okay. this was, um, this person. I'm ready asked, for this, as of <laughs> like a few months ago. There you go, there you go. Uh, all right, so this person said, how do you deal with anxiety brought on by an adult child's bad decisions? Mm. I ask God continually to cover them and his blessings, but it's still so upsetting. What do you do? Okay, so a great question. And if you're there, and I feel for you, I don't, you know, I'm not, I don't know what that's like yet. Um, I have a 20-year-old daughter, uh, and so I'm learning, you know, what it's like to be like, spread your wings, Oh, not that. Don't fly like that. <laughs> no. Get back here in the nest. Let's talk. Yeah, I'm, I'm learning what that is like. But I will say, like, I, a few years ago, I realized parenting is catch and release. Um, one of the things that, and this is, this is a reality of what followers of Jesus believe, is that, like, marriage is catch and remain. But parenting is catch and release. And I'll just throw this out there. I see a lot of people who treat who are treating their current marriage like catch and release and their parenting like catch and remain. So your kids are supposed to leave, your spouse is not. And that's a word for somebody because I see sometimes a lot of couples who are 
they're so obsessed with their adult, adult kids that they're neglecting the relationship that is supposed to continue and remain. Our kids are supposed to go be adults. <laughs> that's how that's supposed to work. And it's hard. My mother has walked through this um, with, there are three of us, and uh, without going into a lot of details, one of my siblings, you know, seasons in his life where my mom got to the place where she had to release him to God, to realize that she was so anxious and so overwhelmed with the pressure of worrying about uh, this sibling of mine and what the decisions that he was making, all of that, that she wasn't living in the peace of God and that it was not her job to parent him anymore in that direct way because he was an adult. And so I would say if you're, there is a surrendering to God of realizing I had a role and that role ended when my child became an adult. I don't have no role now. I have a different role. So I have a different role in my daughter's life right now at 20 than I did when she was 13 or eight or four. And it is not a role of you know, hovering over her or making sure that she makes all the right decisions. It's a role of praying for her, encouraging her, and being there when she needs me. Um, and so I think that's part of it. And then we release them to God. And I, I don't know why I'm, I'm getting stuck on this, but I would just say that chances are good that you are neglecting something you should be focusing on while you are caught up in anxiety over something you can't control. And there's a releasing of our kids. God, I raised them. You may feel like you didn't raise them well. I look back, I've got some things I think I did really well. I always ask my daughter, by the way. I'm like, what did I do well? Tell me. Um, I want to know. And what did I do poorly? And uh, she told me a couple of years ago one thing that I did poorly. And I pulled the car over and was like, I am so sorry. You're absolutely right. I messed that up. I am so glad um, that you told me that. So you may feel like you didn't do it perfectly, but it's, if they're adults, it's done. Give it to God. Love them. You're not cutting them off. You love them. You pray for them. Do not enable them. <laughs> uh, but allow them to be adults because I think our anxiety can get in the way of what they need to start making healthy decisions and what they need. If they know they've got your worry to fall back on, they'll fall back on it. So go, just, and if you need to, have a hard conversation. Hey, I love you. You will always be my son. You will always be my daughter. But I'm not going to worry about you anymore. I'm not going to enable you anymore. I'm not going to pay your bills anymore because you're an adult. You know what an adult is, right? You're an adult. And I hope you make good decisions, and it breaks my heart when you don't, but they're yours to own, not mine. Yeah. That's worse. And Madeline, if you're watching this right now, I love you so much. I was just going to say, we're going to... Go be an adult. It's yeah, awesome. We're yeah. going to get Maddie on the phone. No, just I kidding. I know. I'm kidding. Uh, all right. Last question. Kay. You guys want one more? One more? Last one? All right. Uh, so I like this one. This was... I think this will be a, a, a good one to, to end on. This person said, how does being a follower of Jesus affect our mental health in a positive way? Oh, yeah. That's a great question. I love that. How does being a follower of Jesus affect our mental health in a positive way? Um... I'm gonna talk about this in a message in a couple of weeks, so I don't wanna like spoil it, uh, so come back. But um, what I've experienced is in following Jesus, that following Jesus usually means doing something hard now so that my life will be easier later. Not following Jesus is usually about doing something easy now, but guaranteeing my life's gonna be a whole lot harder later. And so I think, um, here's what mental health is. Mental health is the ability 
to do right things in the absence of right feelings. Maturity is the ability to do right things in the absence of right feelings, which Jesus talks about all the time. So he is shaping us. I think there's so powerful the connection between mental health and faith. The problem is people treat it like a, a switch that can be flipped, which is why sometimes like super charismatic televangelist types are, you know, are popular because they're like, just send in a seed offering and God will. Maybe you've never experienced this before, but it's like, if you just give your life to Jesus, everything will be fine. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, actually, following me is about letting go of your life, letting go of control, because pretended control is the opposite of mental health and spiritual well-being, and we're all trying to control our lives. And so when we let go of our lives and trust him, which is terrifying, then we begin to really find life. That's the connection between faith and mental health. It's not like, well, Jesus is, you know, fixes it for me. No, Jesus invites me to follow him, and in the process, I become a mature adult. We just talked about that. I become someone who, know, who has confidence, who knows who I am and whose I am and why I'm here. That's where mental health comes from over the long haul, is I know God is in control. I belong to him. He loves me, and he has a purpose for my life, and that's the connection with faith. And I think as we follow Jesus... But we, we can't treat it like a switch to be flipped. And don't let anybody, Paul said, don't let anyone deceive you with like philosophies of this world. Don't let anyone talk you into this faith that functions like a light switch. God can do anything. He does miracles. He does things in a moment. But really what Jesus invites us into, one person called it a long obedience in the right direction. That's what it is. It's a long obedience in the right direction. And I think real mental health comes from being true to the values of who we are in Christ, being connected with other people who are going the same direction spiritually, which is what this weekend is all about, connect weekend, getting in a group, and then having a purpose for our lives. You say, well, I can find all of that without Jesus, but I think what we end up with if we try to do mental health without faith is we end up with our values, which may or may not be healthy, we end up with acquaintances rather than real relationships, and we end up with what we decide to do, to do with our lives rather than the purpose of God. So I think when we get aligned with Jesus, then we get his values, we get his people in our world, and we get his purpose, and it makes all the difference. So, yeah. That's so good. Yeah. I love that. I love, too, we started with purpose and we ended with purpose. We did. You know, I think that's such an important reminder when it comes to that mental health of, like, hey, being able to see beyond our, our here and now. Start with purpose, end with purpose. So yeah. I love, as we uh, close out this gathering, I'd love for you to pray for us. I'll be happy to do it. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. This has been great. It was so great. Uh, I'm going to stand. You don't have to, um, but I'm going to. And I do want to lead us in, in prayer. And right before I do, I want to take a moment and, and just reiterate, this is Connect Weekend. And it's an opportunity for you to get in a group. And I don't want to end our time together without mentioning that because I think there's such a strong connection between mental health and our connections with, with people going the same direction we are spiritually. So I want to encourage you to get in a group today and, and know that some of the answers to the questions you have, God will only give you over time as you are connected to people who are also trying to find those same answers. And that's been true in my life. So I want to encourage you along those lines, but I do want to pray for you. So would you open your heart up to God with me, everybody in the room, and let me take a moment and, and let me pray over us. Father, I want to lift up to you right now anybody who's in this room, anybody who's watching online at this moment who 
is struggling with a mental health issue, maybe they have a friend or family member that's walking through a valley, uh, dealing with anxiety, depression, addiction, whatever it may be. God, we believe you created us, you made us, and you are not surprised by our struggles and you do not look down on us because of our struggles. You actually wanna meet us in the middle of our struggles. So I pray that over us right now. God, that as we get closer to you, we would get stronger in our faith, stronger in our mental health, stronger in our spiritual health, stronger in our relational health, that every part of our lives would experience your blessing, not just a cheap surface thing, but we would become deeply rooted in your love, deeply rooted in your word, deeply rooted in connection with each other, and that you would strengthen us. God, I pray especially over anyone right now who's feeling hopeless, who's hurting, God, who is, who is going through such a dark season that they've even perhaps wondered, is it worth it? Am I gonna make it through this? God, I pray right now that the healing power of the Holy Spirit would begin to open their eyes to the truth of your love and the truth of your purpose and your plan for them, and that you will bring healing by your power. We believe you for it and we praise you for it. There is strength for the struggle within, and it's found in you. And we praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to take uh, one moment more. Yeah, why don't we give God all the thanks for that? It's awesome. I want to take one moment more and just speak to any of you who are maybe here in the room or you're watching. Maybe, uh, maybe you're here for the first time. Maybe you've been coming the past few weeks. Maybe somebody talked you into coming. You're like, I don't know about church, but I'll, I'll come. And maybe they promised you they would buy you coffee afterward or a meal or something like that. And you're just not even really sure why you're here. But is it possible that God had this moment in mind for you? That God had a moment in mind where he just reached down from heaven and reminded you that he created you and he loves you and that you were designed, listen, you were designed to have a relationship with him. God put in you from the moment you were created a cord that connects you to him. It's why you can search for everything in this world and it doesn't completely satisfy you. It's why no matter how much you get, it's never quite enough. It's why no matter how much you achieve, it's, it's never quite enough. God designed you to have a relationship with him. And if you want that today, what it looks like is putting your faith in Jesus Christ who came, died for your sins, rose again so that you could know God. And if that's you, I wanna take this moment. It's the most important moment in everything we do here on a weekend to give you an opportunity to say yes to following Jesus. So I wanna invite everybody again, just open your heart up to God with me. And if that's you, I'm gonna lead us in prayer. This is your moment. This is your opportunity to pray with faith right where you are, whisper out a prayer of faith. Something like this, Jesus, today I believe in you. I let go of the life that I've been living without you. And I put all my trust in you to save me, to rescue me today. Jesus, I believe that you are who you said you were, that you died for my sins and you rose again, and I wanna follow you. And if that's you, while everyone around you just stays focused on God, if you would say, I wanna be included in that prayer, I'm putting my faith in Jesus, will you lift your hand and just hold it up high so I can see it, just hold it up high, yes. I'm putting my faith in Jesus today, yeah. I'm celebrating that with you. If you're watching online, let us know, share that in the comments, type the word faith there. Let us know you want to be included in that prayer. And then Journey, will you help me? Come on, together, let's give Jesus all the praise.